Hello, friends, and welcome to your podcast, Get Plugged In. This is a ministry from Enslow Park Presbyterian Church located in Huntington, West Virginia. This is our second season of the show, and we are thrilled to be back and talk with ordinary people like you and me about how Jesus Christ has worked in their lives during good and bad moments, how their faith has built their strength to overcome a difficult time, and how they received the blessings from God. Each episode, we will have a special guest, and today's shows we receive our friend Reverend Megan Flanagan, who is the co-pastor at San Giles Presbyterian Church. Thank you, Megan, for being here with us today. I'm glad to be here. Um, right. My... Uh, Megan, before we start uh, um, reading the passage that I'm really looking forward for the message that you have to talk with us, we'll talk with, with that. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? So my name is Mary Margaret Flanagan, and I've been ordained for about 15 years now, a little bit more than. I went to Columbia Seminary in Atlanta, Georgia, Before that, I served as a young adult volunteer in Belfast, Northern Ireland. Um, so I have a real commitment and interest in global conversation, the global church. Some of that brings us into ecumenical and interfaith conversations. Um, and I think that's just naturally a piece of who I was. I grew up in a family that hosted refugees and always welcomed the stranger literally into our house. And um, so that's definitely an important piece of who I am. But another important piece of who I am is that I grew up in a musician's household. Um, my father is a college professor of music. I grew up making music and I have a real passion still for music and worship. I, as a pastor, sing and uh, lead worship that way, not in the choir necessarily, but as a cantor, um, sometimes helping with the hymns, singing in my sermons and stuff. So I'm a member of the Presbyterian Association of Musicians and a regular attendee of their summer conference at Montreat. And I would say that planning worship is the thing that keeps me going from week to week. I just love thinking about how we, um, as a diverse group of people around the world, worship God and how we in our individual contexts can share a picture of what it looks like to worship, not just on our street corner, but other places around the world. That's awesome. That's beautiful. Um, the thing, yeah, I have a question now. Uh, uh, so you, all your family, uh, they are Presbyterian? Well, my parents are, and my brother and his family are, but neither of my parents' families were. So I was actually baptized Methodist, and my mom's family's Episcopalian. I grew up doing some of everything, to being on kneelers at times with the Episcopal family and having a little bit more emotional um, and fevered worship in the Methodist church. So I've, I've done a little bit of everything. 
Now, why your parents or um, yeah, your parents receive refugees, and what 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 was the cause? Like, is there a call, or is it part of the the church? That that's really my mom's passion. My mom is has a gift of hospitality, a true spiritual gift of hospitality, and um, so when I was a little girl, the Soviet Union was breaking up and we um, the United States was receiving a lot of refugees from those countries um, and some from the Middle East. Um, I can't remember the countries specifically, but I remember those people and their cultures coming um, that we would receive them in the middle of the night off of an airplane and, you know, take them to a home and say, this is going to be your home for at least a few months and collect furniture and get meals to people. And I remember the different things that they wore and the different ways that they smelled and their kitchen smelled. And um, I think that really affected who I am as a person. Beautiful. That's a beautiful story. And that was where, where, where were you living that time? In Bristol, Tennessee, a teeny tiny small town in southern Appalachia in the southwest Virginia, northeast Tennessee. Um, I lived on the Tennessee side. Oh, beautiful. That's awesome. Now, uh, your, your dad, uh, you said that he's a musician. What instrument does he play or he played? He was primarily a conductor and vocalist. He can do other things, but his um, his job was to be a vocal teacher and the choir conductor at the college. He also directed some local symphonic chorales and um, groups. So he's he's only recently retired in the middle of this pandemic, and it's probably better since people are singing in different ways. It would probably be frustrating for him. <laughs> Oh, absolutely and not only for him for several times several people and your mother does your mother play an instrument she sings and knows a little bit of piano but she she would not consider herself a musician first and foremost she has other gifts but do you play piano yes i have my bachelor's degree is in um, piano and um i'm Definitely, I'm singing and do all the things. It's awesome. Yes, yeah, I, I, and I can see um, how you know affect you know when you are a child and you see everything around you, how you know form you as a human being. Um, and you, and you, I mean, we there are people that you know don't have the same luck as we had, you know, so. Is why uh, church is here to you know help them to overcome these problems. Um, and Megan, uh, you're it, you know it's a beautiful story. You know your your life and uh, and for sure your ministry you know reflects a lot of your life or what you have seen and lived. Uh, but I'm looking forward to hear what you have to say about Mark. So uh, before we read the scripture, uh, shall we have a prayer? Okay. I'm going to start a prayer. Let's go to God. Gracious Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful day that you show your grace to your people. You show your grace to everyone, to those that don't like you and to those that they are devoted to you. 
show compassion to all that you know give back to you and to those that worship you. You are a great, great Lord that loves everybody. So we are here to ask you to guide us in this conversation, this amazing conversation guided by the Holy Spirit, that you bring joy, you bring light to those that are listening, and some reflection point based on your word through the Bible. We thank you for this wonderful day and bless us throughout this week. Give us strength, give us compassion, joy, and hope to better days to come. We ask all this in the name of your Holy Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Okay, so Megan, please uh, introduce uh, the, the passage and uh, you can read from it, please. Okay, so if you all are a church that follows the lectionary, this came up in worship about a month ago. And um, in my preparation for worship, I realized some things about myself studying this passage, and it's really stuck with me. And I've continued from Mark chapter 10, verses 32 to 42. Jesus was on the road with the disciples, and Jesus was walking ahead of them, and they were amazed. And those who followed were afraid. Jesus took the 12 disciples aside and began to tell them what was going to happen, saying, see, we're going to Jerusalem and the son of man will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes and they will condemn him to death and they will hand him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him. And after three days, he will rise again. So Jesus says these Horrible things are about to happen. And what, what comes next? James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And Jesus said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? or to be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with. And James and John said, oh, yeah, we're able. Then Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I will be baptized, you will also be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the other 10 disciples heard the conversation, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called the group together and said, you know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them and their great ones are tyrants, but not so among you. For whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant and whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be Thanks to God. Thanks be to God. Oh, my goodness. You know what? Um, I read the passage, and, uh, and I mean, it's beautiful. It's touchy. Uh, but when I heard your, you know, how you were raised, your background, huh, tells a lot about that. Uh, huh. That's interesting. So what are your first, you know, insights about this passage? Tell tell us. 
Well, I find it really interesting. I mean, it, it just such a great picture of humanity that here Jesus is telling the disciples that he's about to be tortured and murdered. And the first thing they say is, hey, can you make it better for us? <laughs> like they care about Jesus, but they're really concerned about what they need and how Jesus is going to help them. And I think they were always thinking big picture, like we're following you and where is this going to take us? So here again, that's their question, you know, like, so Jesus, we're following you and hey, uh, aren't you going to help us out? Um, and Jesus compassionately like didn't scold them but said what is it that you want and they say okay we'd like to sit at your right and your left hand and Jesus said well um you can drink the cup that I'm going to drink which as he just told them is a tortured cup said you can be baptized with the baptism I'm going to be baptized with which as you know is death um and he said but I can't grant the right or the left then the other disciples are hearing this conversation. They get so upset. And um, Jesus said, listen, it's not about trying to be first, but it's about essentially service and working together. And um, I, for my own life, I, I find myself continually caught up in this wrestling of humility. I'm I very much admire and aspire to have that virtue of humility and not needing to put myself first. And <laughs> I am a human being and want to be right and want to be recognized for the things that I do well and, and can't help but look out for my own needs and aspirations. And so I find this just constantly um, <laughs> stirring the pot in, you know, in my heart um, so that that's some of what hooked me when I read it the, a couple of weeks ago, and I'm still been playing with um, the what we're asking God for, and if that's to serve our own needs or to serve God's needs. And as we work together in the community, am I doing ministry that tries to put myself over other people? Or am I really working with the body to let each of the parts of the body do the thing that they're gifted to do and not a service over, but a service with? That's really nice. And actually, you uh, answer a few questions that I had just with this explanation, you know, about the uh, the cup to drink and baptize. Uh, it's so nice how Jesus put this way Instead of saying, you're going to suffer exactly what I'm going to suffer. And you're going to witness. Probably, if he said, he would say that that way, people say, uh-uh, uh-uh, I'm not going that way. Because, right. You know, he explained everything. I'll be, you know, uh, mocked. I'll be uh, right. spitted, you know, tortured. Wild, killed, yes. I mean, who would who would want that? But I think I still think they're just thinking of the glory and, you know, the end game for themselves. And Jesus is like, the way I'm going is not an easy way. And you are coming with me. And I think that um, James is one of the first people to be martyred for his faith. I believe I'm speaking this right. And John 
um, I believe was never um, killed, that he was the surviving disciple of the, um, the 11, not counting Judas. Uh, and, um, and so it is interesting the paths that their lives took them according to legend and, um, where the glory that they received, I wonder from their perspective now at the heavenly banquet, you know, if they, what they would say to this now. And a few things here that um, I like to break down this passage. Uh, there are so many to, you know, to talk about it. Um, the first one is when right in the beginning, I'm reading from uh, NRSV, a few words different from your version. Uh, it says like, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. They were amazed and those who followed were afraid. So, of course, Jesus always gathered a lot of people with him. So wherever he goes, there'll be a multitude. These people that were amazed, who would be then? They would be like a newcomers, like, a, oh, that's Jesus. Oh, let me see what he... No, so, so do you think there will be like a people that heard but never saw him? Right. I mean, so at this point, Jesus is purportedly taking a crowd of thousands with him, right? Because um, we've already had some of those feeding miracles. So he has a large a large gathering. And um, earlier in the chapter is when Jesus blesses the little children. So we know that these aren't just men. They're not just rabbinical students. These are men and women and children that, um, of course, there were new food trucks then. And so they're all like bringing the supplies they need. So it probably just feels like this moving campground <laughs> that's going yeah. through the country. And, um, and anytime you have a large crowd, even today, more people come. They're like, well, what's happening over there? I want to go see what's going on. So he's continually just drawing more and more people into this, this crowd saying, have you heard? Have you seen? Do you know what Jesus just did? You won't believe this. It's amazing. And also probably very scary because he started to make the scribes and the Pharisees really angry at this point. He's starting to make them um, question what they can do to Jesus. And I think that that word must also be on the street. So people are, um, they're afraid because they realize there are implications that um, if the government is going to punish them, you know, a, a jail sentence, separation from their family, that could very well be a death sentence. Um, it's a complicated um, social <laughs> context. Oh, absolutely. Here. They don't expect, you no know, like a, a person that, you know, is performing miracles, doing all these beautiful things they've never seen. So, how, I mean, they were wondering, why? Why would be, you know, torture, throw in jail and put this because you're doing all the good things? Right. So it's it really... Was- no, uh, for for them, for the disciples that were from it doesn't make sense. No. Right. So, but Jesus knew that, and I'm wondering, you know, if they didn't, you know, realize because every time Jesus was preaching and talking, Pharisees was at, uh, they were asking him, you know, things just to try to catch them, uh, Jesus saying something wrong. If the apostles, you know, say something's wrong here, why these guys are not, you know, believing in Jesus? as us and why they are throwing this you know so Jesus was shaking a lot of you know uh 
yes. things down there. Yes. Uh, now, another thing here on the second part, not second part, but uh, when James and John approached uh, Jesus and asked those questions, and after the, 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 the conversation, uh, you see kind of a jealousy, not no slash angry from the other ten. Hey, I want to be there too. You no, know, kind of like a acting like a child. Hey, I want that too. You know, so Jesus, you know, instead of you know dealing with all you know his ministry, he had to deal with the twelve. <laughs> you know, you know, trying to be like on on the other passage when you know who is the greatest. Yes. You know, and Jesus said, oh my goodness, you know. Right. So, and and here shows exactly how Jesus was a great leader. A leader, you know, bring people together. Right. Right. It, um, I mean, I, again, I just think this is such a beautiful and easy to understand picture of humanity because we know people who try to lord it over us. Um, and we know leaders who try and um, serve with and work with. And of course, now I'm all about Ted Lasso. I think he's such a wonderful, hot cultural example to use. But um, Ted Lasso is a soccer coach in Britain, and he's not the kind of coach that is punishing and insists on people um, kowtowing to his uh, authority or his position. But Ted Lasso is a coach who really works with the people. And ideally, you know, every pastor is working with the session. Every choir director is working with the choir. Every Sunday school teacher is working with their Sunday school classes, not to keep people down and, um, and respect the position, but to work with each other and say, this is our shared goal in ministry. This is our shared goal for musicality or whatever it is. And, and we're in it together. You know, each person has a different role there, whether it's director, soprano, alto, or bass, like you each have a different job there, but you're working together to make something beautiful. And if each person or section doesn't do their part, then it's not going to work. And I think, I mean, Jesus obviously doesn't need help with the salvation piece, but he does need people to do their part in being church. The church is the body of Christ as we know it on earth. And if we don't do our parts, then the body of Christ won't function. And I can't say to anybody else, you don't belong here, whether they're a church member here or a different denomination. It's not my job to say you don't belong here. It's my job to work with the people who are here and serve God together. That's, that's a great um, sum up of, you know, how church and especially not only church, when you see, when you talk about church, a lot of people say, okay, the church, when I go to church, so that's my people that I work with. But we need to remember that church, it's also outside. When you leave the building, you can be a church. You don't need to have that, you know, same person that's sitting on the same pew as you to work with or wait for him or her. Oh, wait, I'm going to call my friend to, you know, help this man here, help this person. Right. I've taught my preschool or I do preschool chapel, um, and which I love one of the favorite parts of my job. And I taught them the song. Maybe, you know, it. I am the church. You are the church. 
We are the church together, all God's people all around the world. Yes, we're the church together. And um, that's one of the songs we sing every week to remind them that they come to chapel where they have church, but they are the church. And so when they leave that building or that room, they are the church wherever they are working with other people. The church is not a building. The church is a way of being in the world. And that's what we're trying to practice. The pandemic has blessed us with a chance to practice that more regularly and intentionally. As the pandemic has stressed to us that we don't just do church at on 11 o'clock, you know, Sunday mornings, but that we do church at eight o'clock on Tuesday morning when we're sitting in our office and and all the other places in the grocery store and this and that, that we are the church wherever we are and how we behave really matters. If we're acting for our glory or if we're acting for God's glory. And I, I love, I know the song uh, and uh, to those that are listening this uh, to this, um, you don't have the, the video, but there are gestures when you say, I'm the church, you are the church. And then you have like the, the house that would be nice you know yeah that would be nice if uh you can teach you know uh others you know the how you do the movement the the, the shaking hand that that's great that's beautiful and uh and you're right you know it's it starts from the, you know when you're a child you know kids are just like a sponge they absorb everything um uh, just like you you are raised you know watching your parents doing that so for you it's normal of yes. course let's do this yes. why not Yes. And uh, and here Jesus shows exactly how to work in a group, which is difficult. <laughs> no, you have to balance, especially for leaders. They'll try to work with egos and around, you know. It, it really is. And when you look at, again, our, our role models for leadership, both in the church and politically, we don't have an abundance of role models with this type of leadership. Ted Lasso is the best and most current example, but, you know, most of our political leaders to include presidents and statesmen, they work for their own glory and, um, and church leaders, I'm sorry to say, have gotten caught in the net of working for their own glory. And there sometimes is between pastors and musicians, this, um, sort of hierarchy of, well, I work at this church, so I'm better than that solo pastor in the teeny tiny church or a musician who has five choirs as opposed to somebody who has one adult choir and one children's choir. And that's not what it's about. <laughs> it's not about um, the church you're serving or how many people it's about the work you're doing. And, and I know people sort of know this, but it's still not the way we live and the way we practice our faith. And I just think that it is, it takes some intentionality to live in this way and honor each person's dignity and each, each person's place in the body of Christ and in the church. So we don't do the whole service in English every week because that's not what the church is. And, um, you know, I, I'm sorry for those who, <laughs> who've never had that kind of breadth in their worship, but it's really important to say, words in other languages and to sing in other languages and to use examples that are global examples, not just from your corner of the world, because we're constantly reminding other people that 
the body of Christ doesn't stop with me or us. The body of Christ is so much bigger. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I and this passage, what everything that you, you, you said there, it comes for the um on the 42, uh, what do you say here? Uh, when Jesus says, For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. He, you know, setting a as a role model, say, okay, so if you want to be glorified, live in abundance in the heaven, come here to serve, not to be served. Because it's not my judgment to put, you know, on the right or left, you know, it's God. So when you work, you do for God, not to, you know, glorify yourself. Uh, and then and, and how, for example, you, you have many talents, you know, you're a musician, uh, you are a pastor. So how do you use your gift to bring people together in a regular day life or in, in the church? How, how, how would you use your gifts? Well, I think one of the ways that I practice that is that as a pastor, I um, unclog toilets and clean the glass and unlock doors. And like being a pastor is not a glamorous way of being is a lot of nuts and bolts. Um, but also, I think people think of us as closeted um, intellectuals, you know, we just sit in our study all week and that's, that's not the case. Like I was saying that I do preschool chapel and, um, and spending time with the people, not just the older people who give a lot of money, but spending time with all the people, um, people who give to the church in different ways. And actually yesterday, our church had a worship service that was led by and targeted towards children so that they were the they were the liturgists which is a common thing you might find in other churches but also instead of the sermon yesterday we um had an extended children's sermon and during that time we built a fort and the kids climbed into it and we um I don't know, we swaddled a couple of them like babies and we talked about what it meant to um, for God to love them and keep them safe. And then we moved into a remembrance of baptism for the church where the kids helped myself and the other pastor helped us um, sprinkle water on oh, the church. Cool. So the children really became the officiants of yesterday's service. And I think it's important for that to happen in um, in a way that's not just patronizing. You know, like the kids weren't just there to be cute. And yes, the children's choir sang. And yes, they were cute, but they were actually leading worship. And the sermon yesterday was completely for the kids that adults were along for the ride. And we, I think we have to do that kind of stuff in worship to not just default to the educated older people or just the men or just the women, but that we balance that we balance the words that we use in worship. We balance the songs that we sing in worship so that everybody at some point over the year, over the quarter, um, everybody has a way to connect and feel like worship was for me today and worship really helped me connect to God Everybody needs those moments. And so practically speaking, that's actually what I value and how we practiced it this week. Oh, that 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 should be a beautiful ceremony. Uh, do you have that on YouTube so people can watch? 
It is on YouTube. You can go to our YouTube channel. It's St. Giles Pres, I think, or St. Giles Presbyterian. Um, or you can go to our website and connect to it there, stgilespres.org. It's St. Giles in Greenville, South Carolina. And yeah, you're um, joined the organized chaos. It was <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. How long did it how, how long did it take to organize to plan this service? Uh, I'd been working on it for probably four to six weeks. Uh, okay. You know, I didn't write a normal sermon, but I used all of the time that I would have done in that kind of worship pre preparation to write liturgy that was child friendly. The prayer of confession said, dear God, I am sorry, you know, and um, it, uh, so the way that I used my time was different a lot more. Are you going to help? Can you help? Will you um, do this and that? But it, um, again, I just think it's so important that we fully involve and value each person who's part of the community, that we don't only offer activities or worship that speaks to one person or a type of person. That's nice. Yeah. Work with kids is always fun. So much fun. Was uh, your son there? Yes. So I have a, a five-year-old son uh, and I have a two-year-old son and they were both there and involved. And um, the two-year-old, you can hear through worship service, would just periodically shout, Amen, Amen. <laughs> I think he was ready for everything to be done. Amen. <laughs> and the five-year-old. That's was nice one. Bean bags and I mean it really was organized chaos, but it was it was good. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's awesome! Uh, yeah, <clears throat> work with kids is really you know rewarding in several aspects, uh, and 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 that's good because you know it shows you know how uh, how you can transform. It's such a, you know difficult book you know to read mm -hmm. in a in a way that they can understand. Yes, yes, and uh, yes, and it helps, it gives adults permission to not be so darn formal, to just relax a little bit, you know, like church and life and, and not just worship, but like being church doesn't have to be so um, tight all the time that everybody can relax and enjoy. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven belongs to children, that you need to be like a child to enter the kingdom of heaven. So doing things like what we did yesterday gives people permission to let loose a little bit. The last time we did something like this was on Palm Sunday, and we, y'all are going to think we're crazy, but we literally did a balloon drop in worship from the balcony, and we thought that kids would bat the balloons around. No, adults, adults were like leaning over each other, elbowing them to get to the balloons so that they could bat to somebody else. And, um, And, and that's all they've talked about for months is you remember that Palm Sunday service? It was so colorful and fun. I had a good time. Didn't you? Yeah, we all had such a good time. When can we do that again? And I'm saying we're not doing another balloon. Job. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, yesterday people left worship saying that was, that was fun. We need to do that again. And, um, and people I wish could have not necessarily say that was fun, but 
to leave worship on Sunday and say, we need to do that again. That was a day. I'm so glad I was here. I'm so glad I didn't miss that. I'm sorry that you missed that. You know, that's what people need to say every week, whether we're lamenting or praising, whatever it is to say, I'm so glad I was here. I can't wait to come back and be part of this body, the church again. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and one thing that I, I, I learned at the PAN, the Presbyterian Association of Musicians, uh, one of the classes uh, we were talking about uh, how important is the parking lot meeting after church. Hmm. You know, so if after church, in 10 minutes when you leave the beauty, there is nobody in the parking lot, start to ask yourself what's going on. Instead of, you know, leave and see people talk, not only about the life, you know, what are you going to do, but about the church, the sermon. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You want people to feel like they're missing out if they're not there. That's really important. And, um, and feel connected that they understand what's happening at church, whether that's Sunday school or choir or worship, they understand what's happening and it really is affecting them. It's changing who they are and how they understand God. And they would have missed out if they hadn't been there. That's what we want. Yeah. Well, nowadays we have, you know, especially after the pandemic, uh, we we have this, you know, YouTube. So every single church has YouTube. Yeah. You know, but but well, I watch it. I love it the sermon. But one thing it's watch, you know, through the screen. The other is to be there. Yes. Makes yes. it all different. Music, yeah. uh, people when you worship, how you listen the prayer. You're not distracted. You are focusing there, and right. so. It's um, it was important for you know certain time, uh, but we need people in the church. You know, yes. it's completely different. Okay. Yes, the experience is is completely different. It's beautiful. It's amazing. Uh, and and your ideas. I mean, I think you're gonna bring a lot of people. Say, hey, I gonna. I think you're gonna do this on the Palm Sunday next time. Good <laughs> balloon drop. <laughs> if you can't be outside, how long did it take? You know, so everybody settled down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a hit. I was surprised. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh yeah, but uh I think that uh the way that we talk here, the, you know, the 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 message, it's it's amazingly beautiful how we need to every day, you know, um Pray and watch for ourselves. Just, you know, Jesus said, you know, pray and watch. Uh, we need to, I think it's a daily habit to say, okay, or, you know, how can I help somebody today? Or how can I be a better Christian than yesterday? Uh, and, uh, and I think, you know, church brings this, but the most important is when you leave church, try to apply what you learn. Uh, throughout the week and that's a daily thing you know another thing that i learned at Penn say uh the message should resound it you know in your head until like wednesday if the message really good is the whole week but after church if you forget what they're talking about mm, that's that's not good but anyway um uh, mm -hmm. megan um i mean that was a beautiful talk i love you know your uh how, your attitude and how you apply um the bible in your church and i, I wish to go down and you know watch one service 
or at your church. That would be awesome. Um, do you have anything else to talk about this message here? Anything that you miss it or you cover most of the things? I think I, yes. Thank you. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so with that, we, we've, we get to the end of our conversation here. And I had the great pleasure to talk again with uh, Reverend Megan Flanagan from St. Giles Presbyterian Church in South Carolina. It was a huge pleasure to sit down and have this great conversation to listen and to, uh, to listen about your testimony. I hope you all liked as well. Thank you so much, Megan, to come to our podcast. Thank you. And uh, do you uh, do you want to share your social media? Not your, but the church's social media or yours is up to you. Yeah, I was just trying to think. Um, I I don't know the um, the church the address of the Facebook page, which is terrible. But it, it's just. Um, St. S.T. Giles, G-I-L-E-S, Presbyterian Church in Greenville, South Carolina. And the same for YouTube. It is like youtube.com slash St. Giles Prez. Um, and the website is stgilesprez.org. Um, but you'd be very welcome. We would love to have y'all worship with us anytime, all the time. And um, that's another gift of the pandemic is now we can all attend church in different places and share the best of what we've got with each other. It's awesome. Great. And if you have any comment, questions or prayers requests, we would love to hear from your thoughts. So please email us to eppcoutreach at gmail.com. And check our website for upcoming events at enslopresbychurch.org. And also follow, like, and subscribe in our social media such as Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram, always by Enslow Park Presbyterian Church. Um, see you next time, and thank you once more, Megan. <laughs> no problem, it was fun. <laughs>